Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the happiest of happy hours. Uh-huh. Yes, oh, it is. This is like Captain America and Winter Soldier together. What? What? Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell the are today's best. are this happy hour. Yeah, this it's week. the best of Capitol Hill, right? Mm-hmm. They're like the Batman and Robin of like California representatives, right? We'll take it. Oh, fantastic! Just in time for Halloween. Um, Adam Schiff's book, Midnight in Washington. You've got to read it. We're all reading it. It's amazing. Yep. He is going to be a towering figure in history. A lot of historians are saying this is going to be the historical record. This book about this time in our history. I would just like to throw in, you have to listen to it. It's available on audiobook. If you if you like audiobooks, if you're going on long drives, Adam Schiff reads it, and it he adds such sm- a layer to it. He is our smooth jazz congressman. I am reading it on my iPad, so I listen. You just you speak for yourself. I like reading it, but anyway. You, you hear his voice in your head when you're reading it. Yes. <laughs> we, uh, he spoke uh, of his uh, pencil neck and watermelon head. He did. Uh-huh. It is a lot that he deals with. Yep. It's hard to hold up a watermelon with a pencil neck. You we try discuss, doing that. We discussed that. Yeah, you try it. And run an impeachment at the same time, yes. damn it. <laughs> Eric Swalwell talked to us just after he met with the president, mm-hmm. broke some news about the uh, uh, <laughs> the legislative sausage. It is, I'm telling you, it is that fucking sausage we saw in Madison that had candy corn in it. That's what kind of sausage is being made. And, and gummy bears. Legislative. And gummy bears. <laughs> And Swalwell mentioned how funny Schiff was. I know he is. Yeah. Okay. And Swalwell is like stars in Adam Schiff's book. Yeah. They are two of our, our fiercest fighters yep. out here in California and in the country. Mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic happy hour. It is bright. Yep. And we got updated on everything with January 6th, obviously, and the committee. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying, you may not even need to drink. Well, drink it if you like. Get your face up in there. Get to whatever you want. Okay. Happy, happy hour, everybody. God bless America. Uh, Representative Eric Swalwell was with the president just this morning, and he joins us now, one of our rock stars from California. Good morning, Representative. Hey, Stephanie. Good morning to you. You're on the West Coast, so it is early. Um, Yes. uh, (laughs) I'm back in Washington and just left a meeting with President Biden, right before he heads uh, to Europe for a climate summit. I live in Hollywood. I've never been so happy to hear a name drop like that. Now tell us, 
<laughs> what is happening with this very ugly sausage that's being made I mean, legislative? What's Washington the latest? Is Hollywood, Washington's Hollywood for nerds and ugly people, right? That's, yeah, right. That's uh, the real. That doesn't admit, that doesn't apply to you. But okay, let's let's move on to what is happening legislatively with this very ugly sausage that we see being made. Yeah, Can you yeah, give us well, the latest? We're going to do something this week bigger than what Franklin Roosevelt and Lyndon Johnson did together. Uh, if you take the two, uh, you know, the Great Society and New Deal programs, we'll do something uh, in the next couple of days that's bigger than that. And so we've got a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that's going to be passed, and then the Build Back Better agenda, which is, uh, you know, half a trillion dollars in clean energy and climate uh, jobs, uh, investments taking on, uh, you know, climate chaos, uh, Medicare hearing. Uh, I've got two parents. I hope they're not listening. Well, uh, they're going to be listening better uh, because <laughs> hearing aids are going to be covered now. Uh, my listen, Medicare, uh, my Trump, my Trump voting Republican uh, mom with hearing aids. It's good that she can't hear me because <laughs> she <laughs> right, does not right, want right. to hear it. But Congressman but it, Smallwell, it's, it's unbelievable how much hearing aids cost. I mean, it, it's I know thousands of dollars, and now they're going to be covered. Uh, under Medicare, and then Thank you. You know, and she's in a nursing kids. home, and they lose them frequently. So no, I know and exactly. Speaking of, speaking of nursing homes, uh, we're making the biggest investment ever uh, in home care uh, services for you know our aging population who too often have to have family members you know take off work or you know they lose everything they have to pay for you know affordable uh, housing. And and then I, as a parent, you know I'm encouraged to see that the child tax. Uh, an earned income tax credit is going to be extended. And for many families, they're seeing every month, you know, a couple hundred dollars for each kid put into their bank account. That's going to be uh, extended. And, and yeah. so, as I said, the biggest investment ever in families, uh, in the workforce, and uh, students. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, $40 billion in additional investments in historically black colleges and universities. So, uh, and, and we're paying for it, by the way. Yeah. You know, this, this isn't uh, Republicans adding you know, to the debt, you know, there's going to be a uh, corporate minimum tax on large corporations, a stock buybacks tax. Okay, which, so wait. You know, we've seen Repres- a lot of corporations benefit from the Trump tax cuts yeah. and then just invest it in buybacks. That's not going to happen anymore. Okay, Representative uh, so, Swalwell yeah. Hank, I don't know if there's hearing aids for people that have been in radio too long and have, uh, seriously, my some, I've had some hearing loss, but are you breaking news here? Are we, all of this, you know, inside we've been hearing for two days, are we past these log jams with Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema? Because well, what I sir, what I saw today from the speaker and the president uh, is that we're ready to bring uh, you know this to a vote. And you know, frankly, anywhere we come up short, uh, we're going to go to the voters in 2022 and we're going to tell them, uh, give us a larger majority, yeah. uh, so that you know you're not seeing you know is uh, such a small crowd holding us back on what we can do. Um, but right now we've got, as I said, bigger than the New Deal. Uh, to me, that's a win, and yeah. I think the speaker and the president see it that way, and so yeah. we're expecting a vote uh, to be imminent. Do on you, that. Wow. Okay. Breaking some news here on the Stephanie Miller yeah. show. So, do you? I mean, I, I guess you know, as you as you watch the legislative process, obviously, particularly for progressives, you know, we're watching what we thought was a giant bratwurst, and it is now a cocktail weenie. And <laughs> we, we, I mean, but I I do take your point that if we get bigger majorities, you know, not only can we make mansion and cinema irrelevant, we can also expand like on Medicare, Social Security, anything that we've obviously had in the past uh, and then been able to expand on it. So is that your... And, and I think yeah. you're right. And I would say the voters need a down payment, right? You can't tell the voters we're going to hold back. We're going to give you nothing that helps you in your lives uh, until we get a bigger majority. No, the down payment is this. This shows that we can govern and that, as I said, we can govern 
you know, with family-friendly policies bigger than the New Deal. And yes, give us a bigger majority. And, and by the way, the cost of not having us in the majority uh, is a crew that is uh, anti-voter, uh, anti-woman, uh, you know, pro-shooter, uh, you know, pro-industry, uh, yeah. pro-pollution. And, and so that's what's at stake here. But for us to define the stakes, we need to show that there's a down payment on, you know, policies that are going to help yeah. people. So, Representative Swalwell, um, the president obviously delayed his trip till early this afternoon. He's going to speak to us in about an hour. What's he going to say? Is he? I mean, I, I imagine, uh, and I don't want to, you know, speak for the president, but I, I imagine he's going to, you know, lay out uh, how families are going to be lifted uh, and sustained, you know, economically through uh, this Build Back Better framework and the greatest crisis we face uh, existentially, uh, you know, in climate. Uh, we're making the largest investments ever that will also create jobs uh, rather than, you know, losing jobs. And and so I, I expect it will be what he told the caucus, and I hope Americans are as fired up as I am to vote for it. When will this go to the floor, are you saying exactly? Uh, we're hearing today. Um, wow. And, and so okay. the president is uh, headed over to Europe, and it would be a real boost, uh, you know, in his confidence in American, yeah. uh, you know, I, I would say – credibility for him to land there and for his allies and, and peers to see uh, that he's delivered on this. Is paid family leave in it in any capacity? It's, is, it's is, the, is, where, the billionaire ta- is the billionaire tax in it in any capacity? And, and so on paid family leave, uh, which I absolutely support, um, that's where we're going to have to come back with the bigger majority uh, mm. to get it. Now, every federal worker uh, in America has paid family leave, and I was part of authoring uh, that legislation. Uh, but um, that's where we need to show that we can deliver results here, but we're not done yet. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think... The billionaire tax? The, is that the, in? So on the the widened tax that was proposed yesterday uh, is not, but it was reformed with this corporate minimum tax, uh, which could capture up to $325 okay. billion, dollars, uh, as well as um, investing massively uh, in the IRS, uh, where we believe we can bring back up to $400 billion dollars uh, in okay. revenue that is being, you know, either, uh, you know, put in shell corporations or uh, not being reported. So by, you know, more robust IRS enforcement against, you know, the wealthiest, uh, you know, we see yeah. opportunities there. And, okay. and then, frankly, um, an annual gross income surcharge on the top 2.02%. So that's the billionaires right there. Okay. That would bring approximately $230 uh, billion, Okay. Uh, that could come in. Very exciting. Um, let's turn to January 6th. I've been reading your colleague uh, Adam Schiff's book, who we just had on a couple days ago, Midnight I've in Washington. I've been running and listening to it. Uh, it's terrific. I was it? just going to say, guess who's a star in it? You! Um, <laughs> well, he's you very are. funny, too. I, 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 I hope that comes out. Uh, he's got a real sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all see him as, you know, serious, you know, uh, person of integrity, yeah. uh, generational both, leader. But he's actually really funny yeah, yeah you're both amazing we spoke uh, a couple of days ago of his pencil neck and watermelon head so <laughs> he's very very well yeah he's, he laughs at it yes he's very well humored yeah, about it yeah. um congressman but you you know again he basically speaks of you as really being one of our our heroes and you really are you know that you're a fighter you're you're you said unequivocally on twitter yesterday any member of congress who plotted with the january 6th terrorists must be removed from congress yes. i mean 
you know, this Rolling Stone reporting, Congressman, of course, they're all vehemently denying it. But it sounds to me like there is other evidence. And it sounds like Benny Thompson has some of that other evidence connecting some of your colleagues. W- what is your take on all this right yeah. now? So they're, they're a submarine uh, operation right now, which means, you know, they're below the surface. They're gathering evidence. They're taking depositions. But they're going to surface. Uh, and when they surface, the whole country is going to hear the evidence that they have. And what was most disturbing to me of the Rolling Stone piece was that there's this allegation that blanket pardons were out there. Now, every American has a right to peacefully protest the outcome of an election. And, and, and anyone that went to that protest uh, to just peacefully state their concerns, I don't agree with them, but that's their right. Uh, and I know that people don't agree with you know, me when I go to a Black Lives Matter protest. It's my right and, and the right of the community to do that. But if blanket pardons were being discussed by members of Congress, that goes beyond a peaceful protest because you don't need to be pardoned for doing something peacefully. You only need to be pardoned for doing something illegally, which in this case was the violence brought against uh, you know, dozens of police officers and the members and the staff who were terrorized. So that's where you know, we want to know, was there foreknowledge that violence was going to take place? And what role, if any, did members of Congress have in that? Do you have confidence, Representative Swalwell, from Merrick Garland's testimony yesterday that he is not constraining the FBI or uh, D.C. police in any way as they investigate the insurrection? Could you get any sense? Do, you, do I mean, are you in the camp that we should he should appoint a special prosecutor or you have confidence in what is happening have, or not no, at the I, DOJ? I, I have confidence. Uh, what, what, and I recognize why people are pissed off and frustrated uh, but I also, as a former prosecutor, know that Merrick Garland walked into a building where zero investigations under Bill Barr had taken place into Trump or his cronies, and that these type of investigations take months. Actually, they usually take years. And so we have to assume he started uh, with nothing having been looked at. And so uh, ask me again in you know a year uh, if I have confidence. Uh, but right now, I think it's too early to say that he hasn't done enough because the work that would need to be done literally would have started, you know, when he took over. And so I, I, I don't think that's a fair attack, uh, okay. frankly. Okay. Uh, on fair, fair enough. So let, let's talk quickly. Yesterday, uh, we had uh, Merrick Allen testifying about all these violent, real violence and violent threats against school boards. We had Ted Cruz, as you say, uh, just Ted Cruz defending Nazis. Nothing more to see here. Um, But, you know, in terms of death threats, you shared a chilling voicemail sent to you by a Tucker Carlson fan right after, uh, right, Tucker Carlson. And he actually said he had just watched Tucker Carlson's show. It was a racist, homophobic, and sexist uh, epithets. um, Talked about you and your family being chopped up and fed to the dogs. the homophobic is great because you're not gay, but that always ends up getting, <laughs> I don't know why. It just all goes right, together, right, right. doesn't it? Misogyny, racism, homophobia. Well, but, that's, what, that's what he sees on Tucker's show, right? Right. Racism, misogyny, uh, homophobia, uh, sexism, uh, yes, and then pandering to the corrupt. So, yes, that's, that's what he watched. Yeah. Uh, so T- Tucker radicalizes his audience, uh, fires them up, incites them, and, and he knows that uh, what they will do once they turn off the television is they're going to aim their venom at Tucker's targets. Uh, and I, and, you know, Adam Schiff and speaker Pelosi and Joe Biden, you know, are, we're in the crossfire of Tucker Carlson. And, and I have told him person to person and I've texted him and I've told him that when he lies about me, that death threats come our way. And that's why I won't go on a show uh, when he asks. And so he knows he has knowledge that this happens and he does it anyway, which means that's what he wants to happen. 
I wanted to just bring your attention real quick. I know you have to go, but he has just previewed a special, some special he's running that's called Patriot Purge, alleges uh, liberals are going to start to purge patriots, suggesting January 6th was a false flag operation. I, I, you have to tell me if this is fire in a crowded theater. I mean, I know you don't have time to talk about this now, but th- this seems like as many times as Tucker Carlson has crossed the line, this is very, very serious, what he's inciting. It's a, it's a tribute to terrorists. Is what he is airing, and I received a text this morning from Officer Fanon saying, "What the absolute f is this? I mean, imagine if you yeah. fought in hand-to-hand combat, you suffered a traumatic brain injury, you had a heart attack, defending the Capitol, defending the people inside, Republicans and Democrats, and then the cable news host for Fox, with the largest audience in America, is doing a tribute video not to you, the police hero, but to the terrorists." the cop killers of January 6th. That's yeah. that's what Tucker's doing, and, and that's who Fox News has become. Okay. I'm glad you know about it. Um, thank you for fighting the good fight always for us out here in California and you. for the, all thank the patriots. You. Thank you to your listeners. All right. All right Thanks, Representative. Bye-bye. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Mr. Chairman, who is now the New York Times number one bestseller for Midnight in America, joins us now. Midnight in Washington. Midnight in Washington, pardon me. Good morning, Chairman Schiff. Good morning. Great to be with you. Well, it's been a morning here. I, as you know, I'm wearing my I Stand With Schiff t-shirt. However, I had two costume changes. I have two You Might Think It's Okay t-shirts. So it was really, (laughs) this is my original show prep for your book that my five-month-old puppy ate. So this may not be <laughs> a Rachel Maddow type interview, but it'll, it'll do the best it'll do. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I well, mean, so I'll have you know that I was doing a, a book event in Santa Barbara, and someone came up to have me sign their book, and they said, uh, "I want the uh, the autograph of the smooth jazz congressman." <laughs> and, uh, he said, "You can probably guess what I listened to," and I said, "You're a Stephanie Miller fan, and so am I." <laughs> Well, we were saying uh, Travis is enjoying the audio book because we trained you as our smooth jazz right. congressman to have that silky voice in, a, in addition to your patriotism. Um, Chairman, I, th- I think of you all the time, I mean, irrespective of your book, of just what we're going through right now in terms of January 6th and how when you read your book, it is just astounding that you called everything, that there is such a direct line from the Mueller report and Trump, the Russia you know, uh, collusion and conspiracy through Ukraine, through exactly what's happening now. And how does that make you feel to go, I said all of this, that letting him get away with this is going to enable it again. And we're right in the middle of it, which that's your subtitle, how we could still lose our democracy. Well, it honestly makes me feel terrible because uh, I wish there was something I could have said differently or done differently to get people's attention, particularly in the Senate, uh, as to the danger this man posed. It really didn't require any great act of clairvoyance. And I think you're absolutely right. You can draw a straight line from his escape of accountability for his Russia misconduct, for urging Russia to intervene in the 2016 election and making use of Russian help and then lying about it, 
to when Bob Mueller testified and Donald Trump thought, okay, I finally beat the rap. And the very next day he's on the phone, this time with the leader of another country, Ukraine, trying to get their help to cheat in the very next election. And then you can draw another straight line uh, from the acquittal uh, for that misconduct in the Senate impeachment trial uh, to going on to find new and even worse ways to try to cheat in the 2020 election and the insurrection. And, uh, you know, my concern is uh, if uh, he were to ever become reelected, um, what, where does the straight line go from there, uh, except into the abyss? Yeah, well, that is the subtitle, how we almost lost our democracy and still could. Um, one thing I was not surprised about, having watched you in front of me drop an F-bomb at L.A. Sexy Liberal, is the uh, profanity <laughs> that you and your staff engaged in. But reading some of the transcripts, whether it's in the Mueller investigation or in the Ukraine, or right up through today, that they're doing all of this out in the open, that they wrote it down, that it's some of the most incriminating stuff you've ever seen as a prosecutor, right? Uh, it really is. Uh, and it would have been unimaginable to me when we began, for example, the Russian investigation, that we would later uh, discover emails in which the Russians were offering dirt on Hillary Clinton as part of what they described in writing as the Russian government effort to help the Trump campaign. Yeah. Uh, and the Trump campaign's answer was, you know, per the president's son, if it's what you say it is, we would love it. Uh, and Can and of course, you know, to see the, the call record of this conversation later with the president of Ukraine, uh, where the, the, you know, the effort to coerce that nation into helping him cheat is just so graphic. Um, uh, it just goes on and on. Sidebar, counselor. Something <laughs> <laughs> that popped up again for me reading the book. Why was Don Jr. never charged? Yeah. How, how much more obvious does that get? Well, uh, it's a good question. And, and I think in the Mueller report, when he's looking at, when Mueller is analyzing whether to charge, uh, you know, he, can't, he took the position he couldn't charge the president, but whether he should charge Don Jr., there is sort of a subtext of uh, they would need to prove that Don Jr. knew that he was violating the law by soliciting Russian interference uh, in the election and trying to get Russian help. Uh, and, and the kind of subtext is that uh, he wasn't smart enough to know what he was doing. Um, and, you know, even if you accepted that, pres that premise, um, it doesn't explain why they didn't go after Paul Manafort, uh -huh. who had run presidential campaigns before, was very sophisticated. But of course, Don Jr. knew exactly what he was doing. And if, if they thought it was OK, they wouldn't have lied about it to everybody and tried yeah. to cover it up. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, what, what's more t disturbing to me, Stephanie, is why I don't see any signs that the Justice Department is investigating uh, Donald Trump's phone call to the Secretary of State in Georgia, trying to get Brad Raffensperger to find 11,780 votes that don't exist. Because I don't think you can ignore that, you know, what appears uh, from that call to be an effort to defraud the people of Georgia, if not the whole country. Uh, and, and I think if you had made that call, and, and, or I or anyone else listening, uh, they would probably be indicted by now. Um, and yeah. I, I don't think we could ignore crimes that are committed or potential crimes committed uh, by a president or former president. My dog agrees. Uh, Chairman, <laughs> <laughs> one of the many reasons I thought this was not going to go like Rachel Maddow's interview. Okay, um, I, but I have to say, Chairman, that's, you know, your old professor who you write about in the book, Lawrence Tribe, has called for a special prosecutor for January 6th. I mean, I, I again, it's no less criminal that it's all out in the open. And you're right, right up to including that we have 
the tape of him asking Brett Raffenberger. I mean, and this has been the case all through all of this, as you write, Mueller and Ukraine, and now January 6th. It, is it because we're conditioned like Nixon that they're trying to hide it and then it gets discovered, and the fact that they do this right out in the open? I mean, if, um, Bob Woodward said, we talked recently with Republican, former head of a criminal division, division in DOJ, and there's a laydown case just in what we know. It's 18 U.S. Code Section 371. I'm sorry this sounds technical, but it is. It's a law that says it's a crime to defraud the government in any deceptive way, and that's exactly what they did here. Just talking about January 6th. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I understand the, I guess, the inclination of the attorney general not to look backward. Nobody really likes to look backward. But we can't have a situation where you can't prosecute a sitting president. Uh, and then when they become the former president, well, you can't prosecute them then either. Because if that's the case, then the president really does become uh, above the law. And that's dangerous uh, in the abstract, given that Donald Trump is once again running for president though we're not dealing with the abstract. We're dealing with someone who would be an autocrat. And uh, I think it's all the more dangerous in those circumstances. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to write about, Stephanie, because there's been a lot written about what's gone on in the Trump White House, um, but there hasn't been that much written about what was going on in Congress during these years and how it was that so many people that I worked with, some who I respected and admired because I believed that they believed what they were saying, turned out not to believe it at all, or none of it mattered compared to their ambition for higher office or a position in the Trump cabinet. Uh, and, and that's an important story to tell, too, because yeah. Donald Trump could not have done any of the things he did but for these enablers in Congress, yeah. these what I, I've taken to calling insurrectionists in suits and ties. Yeah. Well, Chairman, I was I, not to sound creepy, but <laughs> reading the book, you remind me of my dad, because, you know, who was a Nuremberg prosecutor and chairman of the Republican Party, but really was like you, worked, had friends on both sides of the aisle, worked across the aisle. Uh, um, you know, I, I mean, it is interesting, your whole family background, that your parents were of different political persuasions. And, you know, just how you write that you're the last person that thought you'd be this liberal lightning rod or whatever that became, you know, you write about how you worked with Nunes before on things. And just Donald Trump seems to have made this whole party I don't know how else to say it, corrupt and crazy. <laughs> I don't know how you, how you deal with it every day. It is really astonishing when you think about how quickly he was able to completely remake one of America's two great parties in his flawed image. Yeah. Uh, it's really an astounding thing. The, the Republican Party right now is an anti-democratic, anti-truth cult around the former president. Yeah. And as long as that's the case, they're just going to need to be beaten at the polls. Yeah. There's no accommodating a party that doesn't believe in our democracy anymore. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson, who is the, you know, the, the so-called intellectual leader of their party now, is extolling Viktor Orban, the Hungarian wannabe dictator, and the, yeah. the Hungarian model. They're holding conservative political conventions in Budapest. Yeah. They're making no secret of their desire to turn America into this authoritarian place. Yeah, and you and you talk about your travels overseas, and you're watching these autocratic governments in other uh, countries, and it really is quite stunning when you talk even about you know being having to be afraid. Is Bill Barr going to prosecute you for just something, anything, just because Donald Trump obviously was targeting his enemies? But like you would in a banana republic, just think I didn't do anything, but that doesn't matter, I guess. If you know, are they going to even gin something up? Well, and I remember when Marie Ivanovich, this wonderful, courageous ambassador, was coming before our, our committee and testifying. And 
Uh, at one point, she she was wondering because she was she had gotten these calls from the State Department that she needed to get out of Ukraine that they couldn't vouch for her safety anymore, and she was wondering what was happening and and was she going to be charged with something? And you know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I can completely relate, and yeah. I never imagined having that feeling in the United States that the Justice Department could be used to, uh, you know, weaponize. Yeah. Uh, uh, in well, the service of a corrupt president, but that's where we became under Trump. I hope that horn isn't you have to vote because I have so no, many more questions. I think that but, was his, his, he was getting a call. His okay. phone was on vibrate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I just, you know, you take us through everything right up to present day and the insurrection and how one Republican member said to you, I know these people, I can talk to them, you're in a whole different category. And just the level and intensity of death threats that you've received and, and your family. I mean, you are going to be, sir, a towering figure in, in history. And I people are already saying this book is going to be the, the really the record of the history of this time. But thank you for, I mean, I don't know what to say about what you've been through and the, the threat I'm sure you're still under. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you uh, what I think is one of the uh, um, most important new reasons to buy the book, which is Apparently, it's really pissing off Donald Trump that it's doing Yes, I imagine. I imagine it is. And, uh, so, um, he's been attacking me uh, ever since it came out, and uh, uh, it's so transparent. Um, but yeah. but um, Do you know you how know, many I, times I've had to defend your neck? I mean, I've been this close <laughs> to your neck, and it resembles nothing of a pencil. So, you know, all I can say is, um, you know, his more recent uh, nickname for me is Watermelon Head. And <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, with a pencil neck being a watermelon head, it's a very difficult balancing act. <laughs> Must be hard to hold your head up all day. <laughs> watermelon noggin of yours. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just it's so fascinating, to, just behind the scenes stuff in here about, you know, this Kevin McCarthy basically going out in the press and saying exactly the opposite of what you said in a private conversation. And you said, you said, Kevin, you know, I said the exact opposite of what you told the press. And he said, I know, Adam, but you know how it goes. And you said, no, Kevin, I don't. You just make, oh, pardon me, up. You are really a potty mouth, sir. And uh, that's how you, that's how you operate. I mean, it, but it just, this is this entire party. I love the meetings with Trump and that you have two different meetings with Trump that you talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, which just are surreal in the telling of them, right? Being this guy that is attacking you so personally that he took your advice on Iran, and then there's another meeting. Tell us about that. Well, the, the first time I met him was uh, right after the, the famous Nunes midnight run when Nunes disappeared in the middle of the afternoon or evening to go to some undisclosed location and would then do a press conference on the White House grounds saying that he had seen documents suggesting some Obama conspiracy to surveil the Trump campaign. Uh, and he, he implied he'd gotten these documents from a whistleblower and had to go to the White House to present them to the White House. And we would find out within a few days that actually the source of the documents was the White House. <laughs> yes. uh, and the whole thing was a charade. And when that happened, I was invited to the White House to review these documents, which ultimately didn't show anything that Nunes had been suggesting. Uh, so I go to the White House and I get a message from one of the president's staff, President Trump's staff, that he wants to see me in the Oval Office, but I can't bring anyone with me, uh, basically no witnesses. And of course, I was reluctant to do it because I didn't want him to misrepresent some conversation we'd have over Russia, but I also didn't want him to say that I refused to meet with him. So I went to the Oval Office and I walked in and he's sitting behind you know, that, that uh, Resolute desk. And first of all, it was so jarring to see him in that room um, and sitting behind that desk, 
it was it was like a scene out of Mad Magazine, mm. and uh, I remember thinking that you know here he had you know pretended to be a successful businessman when he was a failure in private practice and uh, in the private sector, and now he was pretending to be president. Yeah, and he gets up from behind the desk and he shakes my hand and. First thing he says is, uh, you know, you, you do a good job. And the uh, your, your first impulse when somebody says that is to, to return the compliment and say, well, so do you. But I couldn't bring myself to yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, no kidding. And there was this, you know, heavy pregnant pause before I think I said something like, thank you. Um, and uh, anyway, it was, uh, wow. I, I did my best to steer the conversation away from Russia. And at one point we were talking about prescription drugs. And uh, he said, uh, he got on the subject of Elijah Cummings, who was uh, very supportive of uh, reducing the cost of prescription drugs. And he said, you know, Elijah Cummings, Elijah says a lot of nice things about me. And I was thinking to myself, I've never heard Elijah Cummings say anything nice about you. But yeah. uh, anyway, it was, as you say, completely yeah. surreal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, from all this backstage stuff, a Republican saying to you, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you know this party knows does not believe in the big lie does not believe i mean it knows all of it yeah. knows everything that you said and i guess history will you know record what happens here do you feel like there's going to be real accountability for january 6th do you do you have confidence in the doj where, where do you think we are now um we are doing i think on the committee on a very nonpartisan basis uh, everything we should be doing uh we're moving with speed we're being thorough uh, we're bringing in witnesses uh, at a, a vigorous pace. And those who are refusing to cooperate, we're going after them with uh, criminal contempt, like Steve Bannon. Uh, Steve Bannon refused to show up in the next week. We uh, passed out of committee and off the House floor a criminal contempt resolution, which the Justice Department now has. Uh, and I am, you know, hoping and expecting that they're going to prosecute him. Yeah. And they should prosecute him. Yeah. Well, in the uh, wake he, of the Willard Hotel and the Rolling Stone piece, I mean, I just... If I were, you have way more class and grace than I do, I'd be going, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Look, there's t-shirts. I said, <laughs> you might think it's okay, but it's not. It's and not he will do it again. Sure. <laughs> I mean, oh Chairman, thank you. I mean, I can't say enough. I wish we had so much more. Oh, by the way, he's also introducing the Equal Health Care for All yes. Act. I know you're doing all kinds of good Which work beyond uh, uh, mm -hmm. just the you know, Intelligence Committee. And uh, I just... Uh, I can't say enough about you. And, uh, I, you know, Rachel Maddow doesn't have as many T-shirts. That's all I want to say. <laughs> no, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And she's yeah. not my constituent. That's right. That's exactly. right. You That's are, right. Stephanie. That's right. And you thank, live in his yes, district. Yes, thank you for the pothole as well. And listen, <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. And congratulations on the book. So well-deserved. Thank you. Great to see you. All right. Thanks so much.